Welcome to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. It's the classic Jesus music radio show. It's a look back at where it all began. This is Full Circle, looking back at the beginnings of today's contemporary Christian music. Now, Now, here's your host, Jerry Bryant. Hi, everybody. This is Jerry Bryant. Welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the classic Jesus music radio show, bringing you the sounds of the 70s and 80s from the beginnings of contemporary Christian music. Now, to start us off, an artist who got her start in her teens. Still making music in her late 40s, of course, I'm speaking of Amy Grant. Throughout her career, she's had many outstanding albums for a variety of reasons, including charting on Christian radio and gold and platinum sales records. The disc I chose to feature was her contribution to the 80s from an album called Unguarded. Here's Find a Way.
Amy Grant, the girl with the leopard print jacket, and the song Find a Way, from the Unguarded LP released in 1985, resulting in three of its four singles reaching the mainstream charts. Last episode, I featured some of the landmark albums of the 1970s, including those from Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill, Phil Kagey, and others. Now, there were a few we weren't able to bring you because of the time allotted to us, including Malcolm and Alwyn's Fool's Wisdom, Resurrection Band's Awaiting Your Reply, and The Imperials' One More Song for You, just to name a few. Now, on this episode, I'll feature some of the most important albums released in the 1980s, including selections from Steve Taylor, Daniel Amos, Mark Hurd, and Bob Bennett. Now, you might notice an absence of some releases from groups featured on The 70s Show. Well, I left those out on purpose in order to give some other artists a chance for some airtime. Now, Amy Grant wrote our first song with Michael W. Smith, who just happens to have the next album on the show. His debut album is in this list of one of the most important LPs of the 80s due to its longevity. The album seems to have a knack for being rediscovered every year since its release some 27 years ago. The album was simply called The Michael W. Smith Project, a powerful release from him that's full of energy, excitement, and the keyboard synthesizer sounds that were heard all over pop radio back in the day. But more than that, this album showcased the promise of a great new talent that so many now know and love. It also foreshadowed Michael's great pop songwriting gift, and also for anointed worship material that's lasted throughout the years. Some example of these, Great is the Lord, Could He Be the Messiah? Be Strong and Courageous, The Race is On, and of course the duet with label mate Amy Grant, a little song called Friends. Now the album was produced by Michael himself, which is a very unusual thing for a new artist to be allowed to do. Another thing that was not normal for a debut release was that all the song lyrics were written by his wife, Debbie, while Michael handled the music end of things. From the 1983 Reunion Records album, Michael W. Smith, You Need a Savior. Made a friend last night, or you thought you did. Had a drink, had a talk, took a drive. Shit the night, gave up a party. But to defense is hard down and the fear's close. 
Michael W. Smith, and you need a savior. On our list of some of the most important albums released in the 1980s. When CDs first came out, there were just a handful of those, and sometimes they would have two albums on one CD. We call those twofers. Our next selection is just that, a twofer. In 1978, the group Daniel Amos recorded an album they called the Horrendous Disc. <laughs> Although it was recorded for Maranatha's music, they ended up dropping it because of a major change in the focus of the label. The label decided to stop releasing albums by rock and roll acts and wanted to focus on praise music. So, the band shopped the new record around to several labels, including Warner Brothers, but settled on Larry Norman's Solid Rock Records. Now, due to a long and very involved story I don't have time to tell, Solid Rock ended up delaying the release for nearly three years, and the album was not seen on record store shelves until a week before the release of their newly recorded fourth album, Alarma, in 1981. For the album Horrendous Disc, Daniel Amos had completely abandoned the country sound of their first two records for a sound that was heavily influenced by the Beatles. The album was produced by frontman Terry Taylor, along with legendary rock and roll producer Mike Stone, whose credits included Journey, Queen, Asia, Frank Zappa, and others. Alarma, the first of a four-part series of albums entitled The Alarma Chronicles, including the albums Doppelganger, Vox Humana, and Fearful Symmetry. The band raised eyebrows on the tour that followed each release by presenting a full multimedia event, complete with video screens synchronized to the music, something very unusual in the early 1980s for any band. The stage setup also included mannequins, a 3D slideshow, and actors portraying game show announcers and models for a song called New Car. We're going to start with a selection from the Beatlesque Horrendous Disc album, a track called Sky King, which will segue into the title track from the album Alarma. Both of these records help to show the Christian music world this genre of music could incorporate more than just the light pop and country sounds that permeated the 70s Jesus music era. It also paved the way for a host of other young artists to find their own sound as well. Looking back to 1981, here's Daniel Amos with selections from two legendary albums that I hope you enjoy. And coming up, another very innovative artist from the 80s who went on to become a motion picture producer.
Right from the prophetic pages of the Alarma Chronicles, Daniel Amos. This is Jerry Bryant, and my next album really isn't a whole album, but a six-track mini-LP that had the most exciting and radically prophetic recording that the rock and roll subculture has so far presented to the church. It was Steve Taylor's debut project, called I Want to Be a Clone. (laughs) The Denver, Colorado native's lyrics say more than one stanza than most safe Christian records manage in a whole album. The message of his music neither takes the standard secular or Christian directives pursued by rock and roll Christians. I mean, there's no hint of scriptural spouting religiosity here. Instead, Steve allows his devastating lyrics to expose not just the sin of abortion, the self-delusion of the secular humanist, but also the smug spiritual mediocrity, which often passes for biblical churchmanship. Now, this record was packed with humor, (laughs) but it's humor which packs a wallop so hard that it challenged anyone who heard it. I mean, if Francis Schaeffer, the author and the founder of La Bray Community in Switzerland, had ever made a rock record, I bet it would sound like this. Steve wrote about our featured song, Whatever Happened to Sin, in liner notes of the 1994 box set of this material called Now the Truth Can Be Told. And this is what he had to say. I somehow dug myself such a deep hole with the rhyme section of this lyric, it took me two months to climb out. I remember going nightly to my office at the church where I was a youth pastor and working four to six hours at a time just to get a single line. Since the song was written in a church, it made sense that it was directed to the church. The targets are familiar ones for those acquainted with the teachings of Jesus. Time and again, Jesus went after the Jewish society's elite religious leaders and teachers who misled an easily duped public by using legalese and double talk to twist the scriptures to suit their own purposes. Twelve years later, this lyric still feels like I got it right. I don't always expect outsiders to understand why abortion is wrong or why a homosexual lifestyle is incompatible with biblical Christianity or even why we shouldn't shrug it off when politicians lie. But as the 20th century draws to a close, the church and its leaders must remember that our mission is to make disciples of Jesus not to desensitize sin. Looking back to 1983, Christian Rock's Steve Taylor, Whatever Happened to Sin? A Christian counselor wrote, quote, it's the only human choice ahead. If you can't support it, why don't you abort it instead? You say you pray to the sky? Why? When you're afraid to take a stand down here Cause while the holy talk reads like a bad ad lib Silence screams you around in the crib Say it ain't none of my business, huh? A woman's got a right to choose Now a grave digger, next you pull the trigger What then? Whatever happened to sin? Reverend may be a little confused But if the Lord don't care and 
The question that unfortunately still needs to be asked and answered by each of us. Whatever happened to sin? Steve Taylor. And the good news is that God sent the answer when he sent his son. What's up? I'm Toby Mack, and you're listening to the very best of classic Christian music with my man, Jerry Bryant. This is Jerry Bryant, and on this episode of Full Circle, I'm checking out some of the most influential Jesus music of the 80s that helped to usher in today's contemporary Christian music. Now, if you'd like to find out more about the history of CCM, check out my archives at www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. And you can really get an education and tell your friends about the show as well. And if you like what we're doing at Full Circle, would you let us know? Please send a note to info at fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's info at fullcirclejesusmusic.com. Now, when I come back, we'll hear from Carrie Libgren from Kansas with a classic Jesus music song. Full Circle. Full Circle. Full Circle. Hi, this is Bob Bennett. You're listening to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Classic Jesus music looking back to where it all began. I'm glad you've stayed around as I continue with our look at some of the most important progressive rock albums of the 1980s. Next up, Carrie Libgren, who gained national fame as part of the mainstream band Kansas. Throughout the 1970s, Kansas was one of the most popular progressive rock bands with such hits as Dust in the Wind and Carry On, Wayward Son. In 1980, after years of spiritual searching, Carrie accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and his music on the post-conversion Kansas albums, Audio Vision, Vinyl Confessions, and Drastic Measures, all reflect his new Christian viewpoint as well as this featured album from his 1980 solo debut, Seeds of Change. After Kansas, Carrie formed the band A.D., And after A.D. disbanded, Carrie continued to record music as a solo artist. Now, the thing that made this such a unique album in the Christian music world is that many of the players and vocalists weren't Christians. They were just friends of Carrie. 
And he did this in order to be able to share his faith with them in a non-confrontational way. Some of those friends were members of the band Kansas. Our featured track has Carrie taking on keyboards and guitar duties and also includes Jeff Rotol's drummer, Barrymore Barlow, Atlanta Rhythm Section's bass player, Paul Goddard, and noted heavy metal singer, Ronnie James Dio, who was between stints as a singer for Richie Blackmore's Rainbow and Black Sabbath. And this proved somewhat controversial among Livgren's evangelical Christian fans. This featured song relies heavily on the book of Revelation with the key verse being taken from chapter 3, verse 2, which in part says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. From the 1980 CBS Records release, Seeds of Change, Carrie Livgren, and Mask of the Great Deceiver.
former keyboard and guitar player from the rock band Kansas, Carrie Libgren, on Full Circle, back to where it all began. On September 1st of 2009, Carrie suffered a stroke early in the day. His condition was reported as serious, but stable. By September 4th, family members called his condition positive and said his progress in recovering was encouraging. You can read the whole story on his website at www.numavox.com. N-U-M-A-V-O-X.com. And please keep him in your prayers as Carrie continues this long recovery process. The next album on my list of important albums of the 1980s is Soldiers Under Command, which was the second release and first full-length studio album from the band Striper. Oh yeah, they're on the list because they helped to pave the way for Christian heavy metal music, a genre not initially accepted wholeheartedly by the Christian industry, needless to say. Formed in 1983, Striper was soon signed to a major label and enjoyed great success during the mid to the late 80s with one platinum and two gold records. MTV helped to facilitate their popularity by airing several of their music videos, which held the number one spot for many weeks on the viewer-requested video show. Now, the name Striper was derived from Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. The scriptural reference is also part of Striper's logo on most of their releases. Inspired by bands like Van Halen and Queen, but distressed by their message, they sought to form a band that would extol their Christian worldview and beliefs. The band was comprised of brothers Michael Sweet on lead vocals and guitar, Robert Sweet on drums, Tim Gaines on bass, and Oz Fox on lead guitar. From the album Soldiers Under Command, Released on May 15th in 1985 and becoming the first Christian metal album to achieve gold record status, selling more than half a million copies. Striper and the hit MTV video, Reach Out.
Full Circle. This is Jerry Bryant, and this next album was one that I played over and over again when it first came out, and it still holds up after all these years. An album called Stop the Dominoes by the late Mark Hurd. It's woven with songs that reflect the works of Jackson Brown, The Birds, James Taylor, 1930s blues, The Rolling Stones, The Everly Brothers, and early Paul Simon. Mark wrote, produced, and arranged the album. His wife Janet took the cover photos. And a host of friends helped out, including Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill, Leslie Phillips, Little Bobby Emmons, Alex McDougall on percussion, and Tom Howard, who recently went on home to be with the Lord, played the keyboards. From the 1981 album, Stop the Dominoes, on the Home Sweet Home record label, Mark Hurd with one of the dominoes.
You're listening to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. And recently I interviewed this gentle giant for my radio show, folk-styled singer-songwriter Bob Bennett. Born in Downey, California in 1955, after first picking up a guitar at age nine, formed a rock band while in high school, but after converting to Christianity in the late 1970s, his music began to reflect his new faith with First Things First. Three years later, Bob returned with our featured album, Matters of the Heart, a recording that was voted 1982's Album of the Year by Contemporary Christian Music Magazine, and they also ranked it among the top 20 contemporary Christian albums of all time. And it's because of that fact that it's included on this episode. The song is the last song on the album and acts as a reprise for the first song on the album, which is the title track. The song deals with how sometimes in our lives we get so caught up in ourselves that we lose track of where we're going. So we have to go back to get back to where we first started in our walk with Jesus. From the CBS Priority Records release, Matters of the Heart, Bob Bennett, with a reminder to us all that we need to remember our first love and get back to the heart of the matter. I'm just a man in a world full of men just like me With a heart full of questions and answers That seem to be somewhat connected And a head full of preconceived notions That manage to get in the way And I find myself longing to return Back to the place where I started Back when I knew next to nothing Back to the heart Back to the heart of the matter To the heart of the matter To the heart of the matter Saving, saving, fallen men, living 
why I do this radio show, The Heart of the Matter, Bob Bennett. At the beginning of the show, I gave you my website. Let me give it to you again in case you weren't able to write it down. You can find me at www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. A lot of work's gone into that page, and you'll find it quite user-friendly, especially if you like to listen to some of the past 100 shows you might have missed, go to the playlist, and by clicking each episode, you'll be able to load it right up, and you'll even see the list of songs that are being featured on that particular episode. <laughs> Pretty neat. Now, of course, if you have an iPod device, you can go right to the iTunes store on the web, type in Full Circle Jesus Music, and then join and become a member. It's free. And then each show is automatically downloaded into your device when it comes out. Now, what's happening right now at this studio is that when our listeners send in support for the show, I then produce a new episode and upload. If you like what we're doing, I really do need your help to keep the shows rolling. You'll find a PayPal link on my website for easy connection. That's www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Michael Card, and you're listening to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Classic Jesus music, looking back to where it all began. We're getting close to the end of the show with the final word. Michael Card released a trilogy of albums centered on the theme of the life of Christ. The first, Known by the Scars in 1983. The second, Scandalon in 1985. And the third was The Final Word in 1987. In 1988, Sparrow Records released all of them together in a box set called The Life. These albums were important in the 80s because they showed that this musical style 
could still be true to its original call and remain Jesus music as it was once called and not go completely commercial. (laughs) Michael even wrote insights into the background of each song, including scriptural and personal reflections, which would eventually become a book called Emmanuel. Here he wrote about the struggles he had to find the right words for this endeavor. Michael wrote, Finding the right words for a song lyric doesn't seem as difficult to me as filling a page with prose. The structures of meter and rhyme have become so comfortable to me, the boundaries set by a melody seem almost like walls that protect the words. I've come to feel safe there. But to only have the words. Almost everyone knows what it's like to struggle with those clumsy bricks we call words. From Thomas Jefferson as he sought to define a new nation, to a schoolboy as he tries to describe his summer vacation. All of our words are only stuttering and stammering in comparison to that one final perfect word of God. In the entire history of the human struggle with words, most of them have been expended trying to define, outline, describe, and articulate that obvious and elusive, simple and complex, childlike and mysterious word. The word that is God. The word that became flesh. The word that is wisdom. The word we call Jesus. And to say that Jesus is the word is another way of saying he is God speaking to us. While we struggle with our many clumsy words, God needs only one word to perfectly communicate the depth and mystery the passion, and the overwhelming grace of who He is. By that word, light became a living being. Manna became man. Wisdom became a person. In Him, life came to life. All that God is came to us in that one final word we call Jesus. So, here's the final song in this episode of Full Circle. From the title track of the final part of the trilogy on the life of our Savior, Michael Card with the final word. You and me, we use so very many clumsy words. The noise of what we often say is not worth being heard. When the Father's wisdom wanted to communicate his love, he spoke it in one final perfect word.
like I said, the final word from Michael Card. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and let your light shine. This is Jerry Bryant. Full Circle is recorded in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Written by Russell Baum and engineered by Jeff Kane. Full Circle is a JSR production. This is Full Circle.